Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. Um, I'm actually uh, currently the pastoral intern in residence here as of August of last year, um, but I'm also excited to announce that I'm an ordination candidate um, as well. So like I said, just thank you guys uh, for being here with me. Uh, so this week we're going to be continuing um, our series brand new, um, and specifically in that you can answer your own calling. And uh, last week, Mikey spoke on the life of Peter um, and how it all relates to our own life. Um, he showed that in the beginning, Peter was an all-in apostle. Um, he experienced the denying Christ three times, and then he was also redeemed by Jesus after the resurrection. Um, Mikey challenged us to see where in our own life we have denied Christ and helped us to see that Jesus can and will redeem that with us. Um, and so at the end of his sermon last week, he also mentioned calling. And today we're going to spend some time chewing on that word calling and just kind of seeing how some people have used that. Um, but really the question that I want to pose to you guys today as I, I give the sermon is to, to think about what exactly is calling? What does that word mean to you? Think of the many times, for example, you've introduced yourself to a new person or when they've introduced themselves to you. Um, we always seem to focus on what we do, uh, both for either work or fun or some other type of actionable phrase. Um, and we build this sense of identity from what, what we do and then that is what we in turn turn around and give to other people. Um, and that's also what we receive. And so on this phrase, what, what is calling, um, I decided to kind of go on a little foray and find some example answers of exactly what that was. Um, and I've got a couple of them here for you. So one group in particular stated uh, that calling uh, could be answered if you were to be able to answer a couple of questions. Um, and the questions are as follows. So if you could spend the rest of your life doing or talking about one thing, what would it be? Your life experience has rendered you an expert at something. So at what are you an expert? What do you love? What do you dislike? What makes you feel alive? And what's in your hand? And that's more referencing what is around you on your day-to-day -day basis that you're able to actually do. What do you do for a job or whatever that might be? And if you could answer all of those questions and there was one thing that stood out, that was your calling. This is what these guys said. Another group said that everyone has a calling, and what they mean is that everyone has these almost driving forces that get us up in the morning, that dictate our decisions and that motivate our behavior. And what makes us happy is this feeling of capability. When we feel able, powerful, productive, that brings us a very deep and long-term sense of happiness or fulfillment. And so instead of thinking of things that were to make you feel happy daily, they would want you to focus on what makes you feel capable, and what makes you feel powerful, and whatever that thing is, is your calling. That's what these other guys said. The last little group that I, I, I saw defined calling by what it's not. And they said that calling is not for you, that with your existing opportunities and abilities, how could you be of the greatest service to other people, knowing what you do of God's will and of your own human need? They also said that your calling is not from you and that we find our callings 
with, by, and serving others, and that we fulfill our callings beside others as we fulfill it. But what was clear to me as I looked through all of these things is that in our society and in our culture, we use this word calling interchangeably. Now almost to the point where that word has lost its value. And similarly, we've done the same thing to a lot of other words. Like love, for example. Like I love tacos. Okay. Monterey's, Taco Bell, I'm, I'm there. But... I also had the privilege of becoming a father this last year, and I love my daughter. Words don't exactly equate, and I don't think those things are the same. And so how, moving forward, can we redeem that word calling? And so as a lot of you guys might know, I started seminary last year um, over the summer, and I forgot what college was like. Um, man, there's just so much reading. There's so many papers to write. There was, there was so much to do. Um, but during this process, I had the privilege of reading a, a book by a gentleman known as Paul Petit, um, who was a Master's of Divinity graduate from the Dallas Theological Seminary in Texas. Um, and he writes in, in his book on calling that all of us come to a point in our lives where there is a serious examination of our gifts our personality, and our passions. And we come to a point in our life where we really try to examine our uniqueness and how God has wired us. Um, We come to a point in life where we really contemplate how to engage people and the context around us, loving people as God would have them loved. And we join the saints of old in looking at how God has called us. But further, he states that unfortunately, we seem to live in what some people have called a post-vocational or a callingless world. And in this world, jobs are just paychecks, relationships are just random and unconnected, and it seems like a deeper meaning in life is missing. And with this outlook, it's very easy to almost slip into seeing life as this, this boring drudgery or an aimless wandering. But when we recover a biblical sense of vocation or calling, when we live our lives with an understanding that our lives have a purpose that is greater and it has a greater meaning, then every day becomes holy. He continues on to show that we have what we call a primary calling, which is to God, which is to Jesus, and it's to love and follow Jesus fully with everything that we are. And our functional calling or our vocation is how we live out that primary calling. And some scripture just to kind of back that up a little bit. Acts 2.39 states that for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. 1 Corinthians 1.23-24 says that, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And Ephesians 4, 1 and 4 says that I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. And so this quick swim through, through that scripture should just show you something important. And it's that God's primary interest in your life is who you are. It's not what you do. 
But unfortunately for most of us, we naturally kind of gravitate towards that doing versus being. And especially here in the United States, we typically jump to what we do as a career, the fact that we're married, that we're parents, or, that, or, or any, any other various thing that we might do when we speak of that when we refer to our calling or God and his will for us. But I'm here to tell you today that God is not an employment agency nor a matchmaker. And the focus is on salvation and sanctification and of following Jesus. And he wants us to seek him, not just his services. Our functional calling, or how we live out that primary calling in our day-to-day life, um, is a, it, it's a purpose that goes back to serving that. That of being a follower of Jesus. We're called first to God, not to a particular job or a particular location. And the other thing about it is that this functional calling can change as you move through life. As we go from, for example, being single to married, from being just a married couple to parents, our functional calling may change and how we live out that in life's context, contextual changes will change as well. And so... As I was looking through the Bible today, you know, leading up to my sermon today, I was trying to find a biblical example of somebody who mixes these examples of just a functional calling changing after receiving Christ. And the first person that came to my mind was Paul. And so today, if you guys want to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 9, I'm going to read a good little chunk of this just so we can get the full story, the fullness of his Damascus Road experience and move on from there. So if you guys want to go ahead and join me, I'll just go ahead and start reading this. So Acts 9 says, "But, But Saul, because he was still known as Saul here, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. And so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. I'm going to pause there before we continue on and just kind of give you a little bit of background on Paul here. Paul's functional calling at this time, leading into Acts, was of to be a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was well-learned, a powerful, influential um, character and figure, and he, even more so to being both a Jew and a Roman citizen. That gave him a lot more authority in that day um, just because he was able to just go freely throughout. Um, he was known for re- relentlessly pursuing the followers of Jesus to br- and bring them back bound to face justice in Jerusalem. And further on in Acts in 22, Paul openly states that he was a Jew born of Tarsus in Sicilia, but brought up in the city. He stuttered under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of his ancestors and was just as zealous for God as any of them were in that day. 
He persecuted the followers of the way to their death, arresting both men and women and threw them in prison. And the high priests and all the council members of that day would verify that as themselves. And he even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. But again, the important thing about that is in the beginning of this, Paul's functional calling was to pursue the followers of Christ to the bitter end. And so moving forward in in Acts 9 here, he says in uh, verse 10 forward, he says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil that he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who come in your name and call on your name. Excuse me. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. So for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying that he is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them, how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but again, the Jews were out to uh, to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and then sent him off to Tarsus. And the last verse is this, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And so again, Paul's functional calling at this time of his conversion was to be a Pharisee of Pharisees. But Paul's functional calling upon receiving Jesus' call to him, upon receiving that call to salvation from Christ, That functional calling of Paul's changed from one of murder and persecution of the church over to using Paul as a manner to grow the church and multiply his disciples. 
how interesting it is to think about what, it, what things would have been like if Paul had not have done that. And in, in being the Pharisee of Pharisees, if he just decided to keep the, his mind on, on that one track and focusing on his cultural background, on what he, thought was do, what he thought he was doing that was correct and right, he would have continued to persecute the early church. But Jesus gave Paul a new vision by removing both his literal sight and his figurative sight, shifting his call to being in one body of Christ. And life changed. So looking at 1 Corinthians 12, just as a body, though one is many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is of Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. And so we all form one body of Christ. But how do we know what we are being called to be among it? Where does our identity come from? And so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about me. In this past year, for me, a lot's changed. (laughs) I became a father to a beautiful baby girl. She's right over there jamming out. It's pretty great. She's pretty cute. And um, man, that's that's just been the coolest thing. Um, Her name is Leona May. Um, And it just felt like another piece of my, of this puzzle of my life just kind of came down and clicked right into place as soon as she came into the world. And it's just been fantastic. But it hasn't, life hasn't always been that amazing, you know? Over the last five years, I've also been struggling to find purpose. I prayed often for God to give me a sign and to lead me where I felt that I needed to be. To help me find a career that he wanted and so that his will would be done in my life. The thing about that prayer, though, is that I was inherently asking and wishing that this would be what I felt he wanted me to do. The, the, the career that I was doing before would be what he wanted me to do. I was working as a medical scribe and as an, as an assistant. Um, I trained doctors on our new EMR there, uh, new, new employees, the whole gambit. And I was also in school taking uh, physician assistant prerequisites. And I did great at it, you know. I made good grades, wrote all my papers, did the whole gambit. But also at the same time as doing all this other stuff, I was a full-time husband with all the typical life duties and stuff on top of that. But I had already had this preconceived notion that I was where God wanted me to be already. And that I was, I was just waiting on him to give me a sign from above to just move forward in the next step of my career. And I, I like many other people, fell into this trap of believing that my vocational calling was the primary objective that I had to have in order to feel useful to the body of God. I was leading my own life from a self-directed place and trying to fit God's will and purpose for me into this, into this little box, my own direction, but then lamenting the fact that I was never moving forward. I can remember distinctly all of the work stress from my previous employment. I can remember coming here to church <laughs> And um, lamenting with Sean and Josh and many of the other guys here, just my dissatisfaction and the emotional toll that this, this job was taking on me on a day-to-day basis. Working for a not exactly nice um, lead physician among countless other things. 
I can remember my counselor, my wife, and my family, and everyone around me just telling me that I needed to leave that job. But I was so convinced that God had me where he wanted me to be due to the amazing growth potential, the, the debt working, and all of these other mundane benefits that it was impossible that my calling could be anything other than this one thing, this one thing that I wanted more than anything. A few months after, finally, because I was a stiff-necked and stubborn man, I eventually did leave that job. And almost immediately, another job reached out to me, uh, doing the same thing, but at a different place, making more money with a, in a much less stressful environment. And um, one of the best parts about this, though, was that one of the doctors that I was working with at this new facility um, that I had the pleasure of working with there is a, is a, was a very godly man, and that made a big difference. I cannot begin to express to you guys how many different conversations I had with Dr. Simon about the Bible, about Jesus, and just life in general. Um, a quick thing about Dr. Simon, he was um, actually from the uh, like Trinidad, Tobago area from the Caribbean. Uh, he was just really, really cool guy. <clears throat> but the thing about him is that he was just walking with me and just doing life with me on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, he, he was discipling me, um, similar to how other people here at Trailside were doing with me at the time, but at that, at that moment, I, I, I couldn't see it. After all the conversations and stuff we had with him, I, I started to read the Word daily, started praying doing devotionals, and just really focusing on, on Jesus. I grew in faith and became more centered. And instead of focusing solely on my vocation, on where I was going in life, um, all of these stresses and stuff that were associated with that, I became focused on the fact that I was a child of God. My calling is to Him. All of a sudden, these emotional burdens became lighter. These laments that I had became praises. And I look back over the last half decade of my life and I could really truly see God moving in it. My interactions with others became better. But what I thought my vocational calling was, which was just to, to help people, which is why I wanted to be in medicine and I wanted to help people, it became clear I was being called to ministry. And I only discovered this because my identity was no longer in my flesh but in that I was a follower of Jesus. And so the big portion of my message to everybody here today is this. Our calling is not our vocation. It is not what we do in the mundane world <clears throat> excuse me, to provide for our flesh that defines it. Our calling is not just to be parents, it's not just to be a student, to work daily and to go home to the same typical routine. Our calling is not to be defined or limited to the flesh because to believe so is to say that God's sovereignty over our life is limited to our flesh. And that's just not the case. Our vocation, being parents, whatever that might be, whatever activities we might partake in or anything along those lines, that's a part of our purpose. But our calling is to follow and know Jesus. Who we are, what we do, and how we look at life around us, every bit of that flows from our calling. Our calling becomes our identity, which then becomes our purpose and thus directs our actions. 
And our calling as someone who follows Jesus forms who we are as a person. And again, that in turn affects everything that we do. Again, our primary calling, our identity, is to follow Jesus. We then become a part of the body of Christ, and our purpose and part among that becomes clear, as Corinthians says, leads us to what we do within the body of Christ. Without Jesus, without knowing this call, we get this backwards. This is what I do. I'm a pre-PA student. I'm a scribe. I'm a medical assistant. I'm I'm a team leader. This is who I am and what I do and what I do with it. And thus, this is what my identity is. And then we try to fit God into that box. We've put our value on what desk we sit behind instead of on the fullness of life through God. We've allowed some action about ourselves, something that we do. I'm a manager, I'm, I'm a parent, I'm, I'm all of these different things to become our purpose and then that purpose becomes our identity and then that becomes our calling. This is what I do with my time and then thus I have value. But when we have solidarity in our identity from our primary calling of being with and knowing Jesus, because God inhabits all things, he's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, your career, relationships, everything will improve. They will be changed just as Paul's functional calling changed. So will ours. So whether you're a a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you're a cashier, a janitor, a blue-collar, white-collar worker, when you follow your primary calling of knowing Jesus and thus being a part of the body of Christ, he will show through us all of our actions, the way that we look at other people, the way that we treat others, the way that we form relationships, the way that we raise our children, the way that we love our spouses, and the way that we find joy in life. Every day we will be afforded the opportunity to see God in other people's, and that light, the spirit that's in us, will be shown. And the beautiful thing about that is that that light is contagious. This is how we make disciples. This is how we change hearts. By following Christ and letting him show through us to see the spirit move. Regardless of our station in life, our vocation, or whatever other things of the flesh that we allow to get in the way of that. Man, 25 minutes went by fast. (laughs) So, my challenge to you guys today in closing is this. Is to know that your calling is not to this world, but to him. It is not what we do that defines us, that gives us identity, but it is him in us that gives us identity, gives us direction in life, and fulfillment in life. It's to seek your purpose in Christ and to set yourself apart from your flesh and seek that. It is from Jesus that we get our identity as a part of the body of God as believers, and then we receive our role as a part of the body. And those things lead on to becoming our purpose. And that turns around and affects our actions and everything that we do. And thus our lives and the lives of everyone that we touch will be changed. So thank you guys again for giving me the opportunity to be up here and to share this message with you guys this morning. And just remember that 
every day that we have when we're following Jesus and we're answering our true calling, we're fulfilling our purpose. Every person that we talk to, every smile that we give, every door that we hold open for somebody, every single thing, as minute and small as it might seem, can cause a big change in the day and the lives of everyone around us. And when, we're, when we are following God and Jesus is in us and we know that that is the case, that shines out. Everyone sees that. Let's not forget that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be up here today. Thank you, God, for just everything that you've done for us, for helping us see our calling. God, for just giving us the opportunity to to hear your voice, to hear that calling. But furthermore, God, just (laughs) thank you for our kids' ministry. But Lord, you give us, you give us so much. You give us purpose. You give us life. You, you've for, forgiven us. You've fulfilled this great need for all of us, God. And as we all seek purpose in our lives, Lord, I just pray that you would direct us towards you. That you would help us see and understand that there the purpose that we get in this life, the things that we live out come from you, but we have to seek you to find that, God. And Lord, I just, I thank you so much for everything that you have done for us and everything that you will continue to do for us, for guiding our feet to walk your path, our hands to your task. God, just thank you for being you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person, or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.